Well, we're in a message series called Upgrades, and today we're talking about upgrading from inertia to engagement. And you remember Newton's first law of motion, also known as the law of inertia, that an object stays at rest or an object stays in a certain motion unless acted on by another force. And today we're going to see Jesus speak with two groups of brothers, four fishermen. But he's going to ask them, he's going to act with energy, and he's going to ask them to upgrade from fishing to becoming fishers for people. And so we'll get to that story here in a moment. How many of you like to fish? Just sort of raise your hand, like, like to fish. Okay, more in this service than in the first service. Um, I, I have a co-worker who just absolutely loves to fish, Jeff Krebs. He's our facilities manager, and he looks for every opportunity to go, to go fishing. He's got signs all in his office about fishing. You know, one says, the lake is calling, and I must go. There's another one that says, born to fish, but forced to work. Comedian Stephen Wright <laughs> says, uh, there's a fine line, though, between fishing and standing on the shore like an idiot. So, uh, whatever that means. Uh, some of you really like to fish, some not so much. But here's a story today found in three of the Gospels. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 5 and see this upgrade. Luke chapter 5, beginning, beginning verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and that's, that's really the Sea of Galilee. So, um, in fact, it's sometimes called the um, uh, Sea of Tiberias. Uh, and so this, this lake, this Sea of Galilee, uh, is 13 miles north to south, 8 miles east to west. And it's really a focal point of so much of the ministry of Jesus. Um, so much of his ministry is, is from around Galilee. So many of his teachings were done there. His closest uh, friends were uh, found there. And so here, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. This is now the public ministry of Jesus, and he is super popular. So very, very popular. They've seen his miracles. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him, they've seen him heal the sick. They've heard him teach with great authority. He does something rabbis never do. Rabbis would always say, follow God. Jesus would say, you follow me. He taught with great authority. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And so um, the people have come not to fish, but to hear Jesus. But listen, Jesus has come to do some fishing. He's about, he's spreading the net. He's teaching. He is fishing for souls, for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. And verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So Jesus gets into Simon's boat. This is Simon Peter. Jesus will later change Simon's name to Peter, which means the rock. And uh, 
So he gets in his boat, and he does so deliberately. He gets into Simon's boat intentionally because he's about to get into Simon's life even more. And he uses his boat as a little floating pulpit. And when he had finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Translation, we're professional fishermen and we know more about this than you do. You're telling us to go out into the deep and throw out our nets? No, you're supposed to At the Sea of Galilee, you fish in the shallows, not the deep. And you fish at night, not during the daylight and the sun. You stick to preaching. We'll stick to fishing. Thank you for that advice. But I tell you what, Simon went on and he said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. It doesn't make any sense, but because you say so, We'll obey and let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. You remember that uh, ad-lib line from the Jaws movie? We're going to need a bigger boat. That's what they're saying. We're going to need a bigger boat. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions, they were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. This is unprecedented. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Simon Peter backs up, and he realizes only God could do this. This is no ordinary rabbi. Jesus could catch all these fish because he's the one who created all these fish. And Simon says, Lord, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I am a sinful man. And you know, whenever you have those experiences, whenever you come to church and you just don't treat it like a social event, but you remember you're in the presence of a holy God in a unique way, you sometimes have that feeling, don't you? I am not worthy, Lord, to be called your son, to be called your daughter. But as as you've heard me say many times, (laughs) no, you're not worthy. But Jesus Christ is worthy and more than worthy to be your Savior. And it's because of his great love for us and his grace for us. We have no reason to boast and brag, but we we have every reason to worship and celebrate, to give praise and thanksgiving to our great God who loves us, who forgives us, and who can even use us. And so Jesus, in his kindness to Simon, he says, Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. In other words, or in the words, 
of those wonderful 1970s rockers, BTO, Bachman Turner Overdrive, you ain't seen nothing yet. Some of you are starting to look them up, you know, BTO, Bachman Turner, yeah, all right. You ain't seen nothing yet. And I wonder if Peter on the day of Pentecost, when there he selected to preach that inaugural church sermon, and 3,000 people are baptized that day, I wonder if he thought back to this moment. You're going to be fishing for people, and Peter, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till you see how the Holy Spirit works through ordinary people surrendered to my purposes. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, they left everything, and they followed him. Fishing is a noble enterprise, and there's nothing wrong with fishing. But he says, I want to plant into your heart to also be fishing for people. And you know what? That same invitation is given to you and me. You think, in the church, what are our purposes? The church has four grand purposes. Worship God. Be a community of belonging. Rescue and nurture souls. That's what it means to be fishing for people, to rescue and nurture souls. So let me put a statement up here on the screen. We're all called into the people business for Jesus, all of us. We're all called into the people business for Jesus to play a part in rescuing and nurturing souls. And I know that across the board, you do that and we want to do that. But sometimes the responses are not so positive. Let me give you three typical responses. Here's the first one. Not me. Not me. <laughs> Some of you have heard of the bystander effect. The bystander effect is there's an obvious need, and if I'm the only one there, I'll respond to it. But if there are two, three, four, five, six, ten people there, you know, somebody else uh, should ha handle this. And the bystander effect can impact fishing for souls. In Exodus chapter 3, God called Moses from the burning bush. He said, Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am, Lord. The Lord says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Moses takes off his shoes. So far, so good. And the Lord says, Moses, I need you to go stand against Pharaoh and lead my people to freedom. And Moses said, great idea, good plan, not me. Send my brother Aaron. In the book of Esther, we read about a wicked government official who planned to kill the Jews in Persia. He gets a law signed by the king, and that makes it irreversible. A good man named Mordecai figures out what's going on, but he must find someone close to the king to go into his presence and expose the plot. He contacts Queen Esther, who's a Jew herself. She's queen, but she says, I can't go in. Not me. At the penalty of death, do you approach the king without being invited? It's dangerous to do this. Not me. You know, not me is a common response, isn't it? Um, 
sign up, take food to somebody. Uh, elders have a need for something. There's a, a, a class needs a teacher or a helper. Uh, a co-worker in your office needs to talk to somebody. Uh, not, not, not me. Not, not me. And you know what? Sometimes not me is a very legitimate response. <laughs> I mean, it is. You can't do everything. You can't respond to every need. Sometimes you're not gifted to do something or you don't have the training for it. Uh, I mean, not me can be a legitimate response. It's not, not bad in and of itself. But here, here's another one. Uh, not, not here or not there. Uh, I know there's a need, but I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not doing it here or I'm not doing it there. You think of the prophet Jonah, invited by God, commanded by God to go to the city of Nineveh, which is east. But Jonah buys a ticket west. God asked him to go to Nineveh and preach so the people will repent. And Jonah said, I'm not going there. The apostle Peter is with some friends. A messenger comes, says, the Lord wants you to speak to a group of Romans not far from here. Peter says, I'm not going there. I talk to uh, my people, the Jews. I'm not, I'm not going there. And so, not, not there, not here. That's a common, common response. Hey, we need a third grade teacher or a helper in the fourth grade. Well, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm not doing it here. And sometimes that too is a very legitimate response. You can't be everywhere. I can't go there if I'm here. I can't be here if I'm there. Sometimes it's a very legitimate response. Not me, not here, not there. Or how about this one? Not now. Not now. One time Paul was in Caesarea. He's speaking to Felix. Felix said, I'm, I'm willing to talk about this more, just not, not now. And sometimes not now. You know, you, I mean, you hear it a lot. Hey, uh, when I retire... When I'm a little older, when the kids are out of school, once the bills are paid, um, a lot of opportunities pass, not, not now. And sometimes not now is a very legitimate answer. Now, what's interesting to me is that in the Bible, many of the people who initially said, not me, not here, not there, not now, would come around. Moses said, not me, and yet he became a great leader for God's people. Esther said, not me, I'm not going in there. She had a change of heart, and she, she said, even at the cost of my life, I will go and intercede for my people because faith is willing to take a risk, and if I perish, I perish. Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh, I'm not going there. And he ended up going to Nineveh, had a little detour on the way. He ended up going to Nineveh, preaching, and the people repented. Peter said, I'm not going to preach to the Romans. And he ended up going, preaching to Cornelius and his household. And there was a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those Gentiles. And they were baptized into Christ. God is, is inviting us into the people business of rescuing and nurturing souls. 
And sometimes, not me, not here, not there, not now, they can be legitimate answers. But sometimes they're illegitimate answers. Have that spirit that says, I'll step in and try. As one person said, one of my prayers in my lifetime is, Lord, put me in situations where I feel like I'm over my head. That way, if it works out and I float, I know you've been at work in my life. Here's a second statement I want to put on the screen. God wants to partner with you in kingdom work. He wants to partner with you and me in kingdom work. And God invites us to partner with him. Okay, got a couple of questions. Did Jesus need Peter's boat? Did Jesus need Peter to row Jesus out into the water so he could use his boat as a floating pulpit? Of course not. He didn't need Peter's boat. He could walk on water and stand out there and, and, and speak to the crowds. Did Jesus need Peter and Andrew and James and John to haul in that great catch of fish? Did he need them to do that physical work of taking those full nets and bringing the fish into the boat? He didn't need them to do that. All he needed to do is say the word, and all of a sudden, those boats are full of fish. But it's always been God's plan to partner with us in kingdom work. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, one of the first things he did before he raised Lazarus from the dead is he told the people standing nearby, roll the stone away. Well, if he's about to raise him from the dead, couldn't Jesus just roll the stone away himself? Yeah, but we partner with him. And listen, this is not only God's M.O., it's such a gift to you and me because you want to be involved in his work. You, you have this innate desire to be a part of something bigger than life, bigger than your years, bigger than your own circle. And we get to partner with God in doing great, great kingdom work. And you know what? If we have eyes to see and ears to hear, and if we're discerning, we'll sense that we are surrounded by people who are more ready than you realize to connect with God, who are looking to connect and reconnect. There are people that you might know in your world, in your sphere of influence, that years ago they would have said, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the nuns, or I'm one of the duns. I'm, I'm done with church. I'm, I'm done with Jesus. And they realize what a dead-end road that is. You know, sometimes we're fish, sometimes we're like sheep, and sheep are prone to wander. But if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, you can realize that there are more people, more than we realize, who are looking to connect and reconnect with the living God. You know, a wise person once said that when we fish for fish, we take them out of a beautiful life into death. But when we fish for people, we take them out of spiritual death and we bring them into eternal life. You say, Ronnie, get, get specific. I mean, how do we do this? How do we fish for people? How do we partner with the Lord in this? 
How do we go about rescuing and nurturing souls? My friends, a myriad of ways. Not just one way, not just two ways. I mean, yeah, like Simon, Andrew, James, and John, some of you will go into full-time work, full-time ministry work, full-time missionary work. And let me say to our boys and girls here growing up, I hope you will stay open to the leading of the Lord and the working of the Holy Spirit in, in your life. Some of you will do that work in a full-time way. Praise God. But there are a thousand other ways as well. How? Deeds of kindness. A listening ear to someone who needs their soul nurtured. Old-fashioned church work. Where you teach Sunday school or you help in Sunday school. Or you work with student ministry and you rescue and nurture souls there. Or you're a part of a small group and maybe you're a leader, but you're just somebody in that small group who shows up and you're consistent there. And you, and you don't have the bystander effect. You say, no, no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be part of this. Or you're a parent and you parent on purpose and you know that your aim as a parent is to raise disciples or you're an encourager you pay attention to people and you encourage their spirits and their hearts and you're not just the strong silent type you're the strong encouraging type where you notice progress or you see growth or you see potential and you and you speak up and you say something or you put in a good word for Jesus or you do the what's been the longest uh, strategy in the kingdom of God, which is you do what Andrew did actually for Peter, James, and John, which is, hey, just come see. Come check it out. Come and see. Come and investigate. And let me remind you that whenever you engage in seeking to rescue and nurture a soul, you don't do it alone. A divine collaboration is going on between you and the Holy Spirit. You know, one of my favorite stories along these lines, I'm not going to mention their name. It's a couple that they were longtime members here. They moved away to another city. One day they were telling me their story of how they came to Christ initially. He was a very successful businessman. Uh, she was a sharp lady herself. They were on the brink of divorce. In fact, they had already filed divorce papers. And uh, a friend of theirs had been inviting them to church. And finally, just to get this friend to stop inviting, they said, we'll, we'll, we'll come. We'll, we'll, we'll be there. Just, he said, just come and see. So they came. And something happened that day, and they came back. And they came back, and they came back, and they put away those divorce papers. They learned how to do marriage in a different way. They were baptized into Christ, were discipled, continued to grow. He became an elder at two different congregations. They are still serving the Lord in such a strong, beautiful way today. And it all happened because, you know, we have to be willing to take faith risk. We have to be willing to, you know, faith is willing to take a risk. Take, faith is willing to incur some expense. 
Faith is willing to be criticized a little bit. And because somebody took a risk, threw up a prayer, good things happen. And let me just remind you, hey, no person is so lost. No person is so separated from Christ that God's grace cannot find them. No one's too bad, too hopeless, too late for Jesus to save. And you know, these fish have names. A, a, a baseball fan came up to me after the first service and said, you're right, uh, fish have names. Mike Trout, for example, Catfish, Hunter, you know, baseball names. Fish have names. Who are some names in your world that might need nurturing, connecting, rescuing? And uh, so, my friends, in closing, let me just encourage you to dig down, dig down deep into a reservoir of Holy Spirit-empowered depth and find energy, optimism, initiative, leadership, and positive energy for all in your circle of influence. These are the days for the people of God to tap in, to rise up, to encourage others, to go forward boldly as influencers for the big picture. We are on mission, and we are on a big mission to worship God, to create a healthy community of, belong, of belonging and to rescue and nurture souls. And you know what? If you've not taken the step yet to come to Christ, if you need a spiritual base, I read an article not too terribly long ago that said, take the word base, B-A-S-E, here's your acrostic if you need a spiritual base. B, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who He is, the significance of His death, the significance of His resurrection. A, accept the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, through repentance, by being baptized into His name. S, switch loyalties. Under new management, allegiance to Jesus, and E, express this new life in Christ. Live on purpose. Go to work on purpose. Go home on, pur on purpose as a representative and ambassador for Christ Jesus. Everybody, thank you so much for being here today. Just know we love you. We pray for you. Those of you online, so glad to have you with us. If we can help you take your next step, whether it's to reconnect with the Lord, reconnect with His church family, or take those initial steps of coming to Christ. Everybody takes that first step sometime. Uh, we're eager to help.